Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. As we have said on other occasions regarding so many of the words we encounter in these scriptures, as we read them, our minds are so often caught up in the general context of a subject Or perhaps the words are so very similar to other words like them that our thoughts will pass right on by them and we miss out on a deeper meaning and message that God intends for us to know about them. And that's just one more reason why you and I must continue to pour these words of these scriptures into our heart and soul and mind every day. Do you read your Bible daily? If you don't, you should. And no less than one one time a day. But we need to read these scriptures and then reread them. Often the same words over and over again. And if we're faithful to do that, then God's Holy Spirit will also be faithful and He will reveal things to us that we've never known before. And that's especially so with some of the words within this passage today here in verse 12 especially of Ephesians 6. There we find a mysterious reference being made to a realm of God's kingdom called heavenly places. Heavenly places. As I searched through the scriptures, I found that there were five of these references to these heavenly places spoken about here. And all five of those references were here in the book of Ephesians. And may I read them to us, and it is quite lengthy, and I'd like you to follow along with me if you would. The first reference to heavenly places is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning there in verse 3. And there we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Heavenly places. And then in, down in verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 1. We'll begin with verse 19. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then the next reference is over in Ephesians chapter 2. Chapter 2. There beginning in verse 3. Among them, and he's speaking of the sons of disobedience, among those sons of disobedience, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By faith you have been saved. 
and raised us up with Him, and listen, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then over in Ephesians chapter 3, chapter 3 verse 7, and they're speaking of the gospel of which this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of His power. To me the very least of all saints, now this is the Apostle Paul speaking here, to me the very least of all saints this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the churches, listen, through the churches, through this church to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly places, in the heavenly places. Things that take place in this church, in our worship service, speak to those rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Moving on then to the verse that we are going to deal with here today in chapter 6, verse 12 of chapter 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, our own blood, our own flesh and blood, or against anyone else's but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So then the question, what are and where are these heavenly places? Are the heavenly places simply, is that just another name given to the place we call heaven? The place that we've always called heaven that place that we understand from the Scriptures to be that place where God resides, where He sits on His throne with Jesus at His right hand, ruling over all the world. Is it that place that's described by Solomon in Second Chronicles chapter 2, there in verse 5 and 6, Solomon said, And the temple which I build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build Him a temple since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. One Bible translator speaks of the heaven of heavens as being the highest and most holy of all the heavens. And then also, where are those mansions that Jesus spoke about when he said that he was going to prepare a place for us? Where are those mansions located? And then also, where is that place that David spoke about in Psalm 27? doesn't mention heaven. But listen to what he says. He prayed there in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. Where is that house of the Lord? Where is it located? Because mysteriously, David is actually speaking about dwelling there even during his living years. But that's not a brick-and-mortar house that he's referring to here. And then also, where is the third heaven that the Apostle Paul spoke about in 2 Corinthians 12? Listen to these words. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, I know a man in Christ 
who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. The man that Paul spoke about here is believed by most all the Bible scholars as being Paul himself. But know here also that Paul called that third heaven paradise. That same paradise, it's the very same word, I looked up these Greek words, it's the very same words that Jesus spoke about when he promised the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. Where is that paradise? May I say I love the mystery that God leaves to remain within words such as these. Here Paul gives only a cryptic allusion to this third heaven. I saw no other place where it was mentioned prominently. And even then, he mentions it only after 14 years. So where is that place, the third heaven? Where is paradise? I'd like for us to begin our thoughts on this question by stating the obvious. And that is that our human abilities to comprehend the mind of God will never be sufficient to fully understand such high and lofty matters as these. God's personality and His ways are beyond our searching out. They simply are. And so also are the matters such as this, our trying to fathom where heaven is and heavenly places are. We are, as these words tell us here in this verse, we're flesh and blood. We are corporeal. But God is not. God is not. He is spirit. And He is without physical being and without the constraints of being in only one place at a time. You and I don't understand that. We can't comprehend that, but that is true. And because that is the form of His being, God actually can be in many places all at the same moment, on His throne there in the heaven of heavens, but also perhaps on another throne in the heavenly places, and perhaps also in paradise and in the third heaven. Again, I know that I can't, and I don't think that any of us can fathom these mysteries. But I'm convinced, listen, I'm convinced that God wants us to ponder these unknowable things. Why? Because He gives them to us. And if we will be faithful to ponder these and to ask God to speak to us, then we'll gain spiritual understanding into just how excellent and how awesomely great and mighty God really is. And that's not so that we can explain Him, but so that we can love Him more. Just love Him all the more. And may I caution us about this, about trying to explain God. So many of our Bible teachers and theologians and and speakers today try to explain God. I do not believe that God intends for you and me to explain Him. These Scriptures, these Scriptures will explain God. What does He want of us then? He wants you and me to believe in Him. He wants you and me to love Him and to trust Him. And then when we have need to explain something about Him to someone else, then He'll be faithful to give us the words to say, both through these Scriptures and also through the unction of the Holy Spirit. But with that in mind, we do need to pause here for a few moments and remind ourselves of what these Scriptures do tell us about who God is about His person, about His character. Recall as Moses spoke to God at the burning bush. He asked God who He was. 
And God answered with the simplest of words. He said, I am. That is who I am. I am. Now think about those words. About what they could mean. I am. They are simple words. But they are not simple at all. My mind reaches for an understanding of them. My thoughts are that He is saying, I am all things. I'm not just in all things. I am all things. In me all things exist. And in me all things consist. And in me all things subsist. I am part and parcel of everything that is. And I give life to everything that has life. If I hold back my breath of life for just a few moments, all things will perish. I am God. I am everywhere at one time. I am the creator and the sustainer of all things. I created the stars and I hold them in place every moment. And the clouds of the sky have their unique shapes at every given moment because I form them every moment. I am spirit and nothing can contain me or hem me in. I am everywhere at the same time, but yet I am personal and intimate with every creature, every bird of the air, every animal of the fields, but especially I am personal and intimate with every man and woman and child. They are my favored creatures, listening to and knowing every thought and every word that passes through their mind and their mouth. Folks, that is who God is. That is the great I Am. Now why is such knowledge as that so necessary to our search for answers such as this as to what are heavenly places and where might they be? It's because if you and I can grasp only a small understanding of the nature of God, then we can begin to understand why heaven is the way that it is. And where it might be. And how can it be in so many places at one time? So then, considering our original question, what are and where are these heavenly places that are spoken about here? Are the heavenly places simply that same heaven or heaven of heavens that's spoken of by Solomon? Are they the same place? Well, that question is answered right within this verse here, verse 12. And we're able to know that heaven and the heavenly places are really not the exact same place. Listen to these words. Verse 12, Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, listen, in the heavenly places. Now first note here, these words picture us wrestling. We are wrestling daily, moment by moment, with principalities and powers. Those are both of, most often spoken of at least, in an evil way. Principalities and powers. And then he goes on to say the rulers of darkness, and we do know that those are demonic. And against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where they're located. They're speaking about, these words are speaking about the present day battle that you and I are going through. It's a battle that's taking place every moment of every day that we live within our living years. It's going on in your life every day. It takes on many different forms. Some of it's emotional, some of it's physical, 
Some of it is fear, but it's, it's taking place in our lives. These words also clearly say that these demonic forces, these powers and principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness, they live and have their being right there within those heavenly places. But listen, no such thing will be permitted to exist in the heaven of heavens, in the place of holiness. That place is pure and holy and no unrighteousness will ever exist there. So then we can rest assured just from these words, this one verse, that the heavenly places are very different from the place that we call heaven. But I want to answer our question a little more fully and and so I sought an excerpt from a website called gotquestions.org and I would recommend that to you. They answer a, a lot of questions that we aren't able to answer. And in their explanation, we can read that the phrase heavenly places is translated from the Greek word eporaneous, eporaneous, meaning the sphere of spiritual activities. Eporaneous, it's a sphere of spiritual activities. But heaven, the heaven of heavens, is translated from the Greek word oranus, the place of God's abode. Different words, very similar, with somewhat similar context, but they're still very, very different. And here in the heavenly places, we see that those spiritual activities taking place, the angelic activities, both good and bad, those good angels and the demonic angels are also able to reach over into and influence our realm because we wrestle with them. So it's clearly being stated that they can reach over into our realm. It doesn't say that we reach into theirs, but they are reaching over into our realm. And the difficulties that you and I are going through, with whether it be with our emotions, with our health, with all sorts of uh, disparity within the family, disagreements, this is what's taking place. It's just wrestling. We're going to talk about that more next week, but that's what they're talking about here. They're able to reach over into our realm. And those demonic angels can corrupt and control so much of the human events that are taking place. And all you have to do is simply open up a news program and you'll see their handiwork. But then also, thankfully, listen, thankfully, over in Ephesians 1.20, we read that the risen Christ also lives within those heavenly realms. He's also able to live in other realms, but he also lives within these realms. And there he has a throne. They're in the heavenly realms. And by his power, he restricts these demonic angels from being any worse than they are. Listen to these words. This is back in Ephesians 1.20 that we read a moment ago, beginning in verse 19. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his, of God's might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above, listen, these words, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So somehow there is an intermingling of what goes on with God the Father and him seating Jesus at his right hand, but yet also in the heavenly places. And that Jesus is above all of those principalities and powers. 
These words clearly tell us that he is in rule and authority above all of those creatures, both good and bad, within that heavenly realm, that those heavenly places. Now you and I struggle, and we really do need to take warning about those inhabitants of that spiritual realm because our own ability to understand what is taking place there comes only from our imagination and also the imaginations of all those in Hollywood who would paint a picture of who these good angels and especially these demonic angels are. But you and I should be very careful with all of this. We treat it lightly with so many of our movies and and television programs. That's a realm, and that's a creature. Those demonic spirits, they are creatures that mean business. And you and I need never mess with them. We need never be curious about them. This spirit world is so completely unknown to us, and it will always remain that way. You and I I will never see it, or we'll never hear it. We'll never touch it, no matter what so many of those presentations on the television would have you to understand. But listen, this Bible clearly tells us that it exists. And it speaks about its existence in much the same way that it speaks about the visible world. And so because of that, you and I need to go ahead and believe that it exists. And that it does influence and interact with everything that takes place in our visible existence. You and I need to always take it into account. We need not fear because Jesus is there to protect us and to rule over them. We only have a few moments left before we close. Still have so much, and Lord willing, we'll pick back up on these thoughts next week. Especially, I want us to consider what those creatures in the spiritual realms do and what they don't do. Before we close, though, I want us to go back and ask what we've learned here today and why we've learned it. First, we know that, yes, these spiritual realms, these heavenly places really do exist, and they really are real. Though we being in this visible realm are not able to see them, they are still just as real real as our visible realm. And with these spiritual realms, living within them, there are inhabitants of so many kinds. Christ himself is there. Christ himself is there. And though you and I haven't spoken about it here today, uh, there's also souls of saints that have gone on before. And we're going to talk about those some next week because how we can not interact with them. In those spiritual realms, there are angels. Scripture is very clear on that, both good angels and demonic angels. And in those spiritual realms, in the heavenly places, those demonic angels are waging war against you and me who live in this visible realm, a war that you and I cannot fight and win using our own fleshly abilities. We need a special armor that we'll study about over the coming weeks. We need to put that on to protect us. And again, Lord willing, next week we'll study further on the nature, especially in the activities of those creatures of the darkness. But until then, you and I can rest in the assurance that Christ our Savior and Lord who lives there within those heavenly places. He'll guard and He'll protect our souls as we yield to Him. I'll close with these words again from Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
And then the power of his might, that's the confidence we can have, knowing that these demonic beings truly are all around us. We can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's pray.